super dope. Dragon Ball Super Dope in your ears. All right, listen, Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking us out. All that nonsense. Going to be a fairly quick episode today because I'm recording a second podcast after this one's done with Rayshon for his feed. Uh, talking about Chapter 78, which we did on this feed a couple weeks back. But, you know, getting ready for the next chapter release uh, in a couple of weeks just before Christmas. So here's what we're going to do. A uh, couple of, I guess, newsworthy things. I, I always feel weird when I say newsworthy in relation to Dragon Ball. Because honestly, I hear about these things and I'm like, who fucking cares? But I guess what else am I going to talk about? So who's the joke really on here? Uh, Jump Festa 2021 uh, info, Toyotaro interview, totally not Mark. And, and then I'm watching some television that I'm going to talk to this microphone about, and you can stick around to the fucking end if you want to hear that part, all right? Real quick on Jump Festa, I've brought it up a couple of times. It's going to be happening on Saturday, December 18th in Japan, which will pretty much be Friday night here, December 17th. Normally, that's something I would look to stream in the Discord. Not sure I will be, because I think I'm going to see... Not think, I know I am. I already bought my tickets. I'm going to see Spider-Man that night, so... Don't know if it'll stream in there. Maybe we'll watch it afterwards. Uh, I'll watch it regardless. Um, like I said last week or the week before, it's been confirmed that it's a Dragon Ball Super superhero panel, and they will be uh, revealing the voice actors for Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. So that'll be cool. But they also mentioned some shit that I thought was interesting a couple of days ago that uh, kind of gave me pause. And I thought it was interesting because I thought I'd already seen it. Uh, they're suddenly pumping up the, uh, the, the announcement that they're going to be revealing what Ultra Ego Vegeta looks like in his colorized form at Jump Festa. And I was trying to think back. I didn't go back and dig through their official website, but I was thinking back. I'm like, haven't I already seen that? Isn't it purple? Because, like, Hakaishin kind of form, you know? What do you mean? Why is that a big deal, even? Like, Toei releases... Or I shouldn't say Toei. I should say Shueisha uh, and V-Jump. And, you know, these magazines release colorized versions of these characters pretty regularly. Regularly is a hard word for me to say, and I don't know why. Anyway, I've seen colorized versions of all these characters from the official Dragon Ball website. Haven't I seen one for the uh, Ultra Ego Vegeta? Like, why is that such a big deal? Maybe it's a big deal, because we'll see what he looks colorized in. An anime teaser? Probably not. That's just me, like, really, really trying to will Dragon Ball back onto the airwaves. Been trying for several years now. I don't think it's happening. Or at least not when I want it to happen. It'll happen when they're good and ready. But uh, yeah, colorized version of Ultra... I keep wanting to say Instinct. Ultra Ego Vegeta will be uh, unveiled at Jump Festa. And apparently that's a big deal in their opinion. Maybe they're uh, playing their cards a little close to the vest there on that one. Maybe we'll see a movie clip with Ultra Ego Vegeta. That'd be dope. Super dope. Although, would you want to see it in that CGI first time animated? Uh, I know I'm not uh, looking forward to 
that particular animation style. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, I just wanted to make note, Jump Festa, the 18th in Japan, so the 17th Friday night here. Uh, I imagine it'll be streaming and people will be translating it feverishly all over Twitter. I don't know what the live feed situation will look like, but uh, I imagine there will be one, just, you know, it's not in English. Moving on. Toyotaro, my best goddamn friend. Troll Yotaro. He did an interview with Victory Uchida, the editor for V-Jump magazine, a couple of days ago. And, I don't know, man, there's not a ton to talk about in there, but there was one notable thing that I definitely had my eyes light up. I was like, oh, this makes a little bit of sense now. Uh, and I think other people found it notable as well, and it's in relation to Bardock. Of fucking course. Uh, he does answer a handful of fan questions, though, that they submitted through the website. Run through those real quick. Uh, his favorite move? A Kamehameha. His favorite form? Goku, I suppose. Uh, or, I guess, in general. Mastered Ultra Instinct, because it's the coolest and it's the strongest. Uh, his favorite to draw, though, is Super Saiyan Blue. Because um, it's, it's fun to draw and it's a very expressive form. His favorite character to draw right now, Vegeta. And when pressed on why, he said, uh, it's like he's getting to illustrate character growth. And I was like, hey, man, yeah. It's like one of the few things you're doing right in this goddamn fucking stupid wrapping up arc. Gotta stop hating, but, you know, I just can't. Just hate, 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 hate. Um, most difficult to draw character, he said at this point in time, is Elec. Uh, and he equated the Hita's hairstyle to, like, failed attempts at dreadlocks, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, he also says that he designed Alec, and he didn't do himself any favors with how he, you know, chose to design his hair. Uh, which I think conflicts with something he said in his last interview. Like, I'm almost positive. I remember covering the last interview he did with Victory Uchida, and I'm pretty sure he said... Toriyama came up with the concept, maybe just the concept, maybe not the actual designs. That could be it. Um, what do you have to take care of when drawing female characters? You said Maki has been tough to draw. Basically, if he doesn't uh, pay attention, Maki turns into a dude real quick. So try to avoid that. Um, and then he answers like a real wholesome fan question from a aspiring mangaka about like, I can only draw shit from the right. Help me out. I want to draw stuff from the left. Meaning like angle of a character. And he gives some advice. Seemed helpful. Seemed like he was very excited to answer that question. Genuinely wholesome. And then he has the question about Bardock. Uh, it's kind of a two-part question. Uh, it's first one is, will he continue to appear? And what's the story uh, behind his appearance in this arc? So. Uh, the first part of it, he answers pretty quickly and says, you know, I can't really say if you'll continue to see him in this arc, but obviously we all know that there is one more primetime opening to bring back a Bardock chapter. Manito gets cut off in chapter 78 from explaining what happened in the battle between Bardock and Gas. They've decided to uh, punt on that for now, and we'll probably see it happen. I don't know if it'll be this month. It could be next month. Who knows? Uh, but I imagine we will see Bardock again in the not-so-distant future in that exact scenario. So he just kind of moves past it and says, 
you know, I don't want to spoil anything for this arc, but, you know, if you like seeing Bardock, you know, be on the lookout. <laughs> and then <clears throat> the second um, question is, what's the story behind his appearance or like his inclusion in this arc? And I did grab a couple of screenshots of the translations that I want to read to you verbatim instead of me just summing them up like a dickhead, you know? Quote, I was a supervisor on a figure project not too long ago, and I had a special affinity for Bardock. I actually wanted to include Bardock in the main story for a while now. And the figure in question, it's, it's a pretty cool looking figure. It's basically Goku and Bardock back to back fucking shit up real quick. Looks like they're throwing a blast. It looks fun. It looks like a very cool, but it's based off of an illustration that Toyotaro did previously. So he was brought in as a, a supervisor um, on the production of that figure or statue, probably more accurately. Back to this. Uh, yeah, wanted to include Bardock in the main story for a while now. But with Goku, uh, with the main character being Goku and with Bardock dead for years, I could have him appear in side stories. But getting him in the main story was a challenge. I was given the opportunity to think about how I could weave Bardock into the main story, and when I showed my ideas to series creator Akira Toriyama, he said it looked good. I was like, hell yeah. That's not me. Just throwing in a hell yeah. That's what Toyotaro said in this interview. I was like, hell yeah. And I watched it. It sounds like what he says is, Yosha, which is what Vegito says, which I always thought to mean like, you know, let's go. Which I guess, hell yeah, let's go. They're the same thing. Yosha, bitch. Elaborating on this further, Toyotaro explained why he was so curious about Bardock. Quote, everyone, including me, wants to know what sort of character, what sort of man he is. So I want to ask Toriyama about him as much as I can to make sure he's an awesome character. And then the end of this says, uh, in fact, Toyotaro even teased that while he can't give any spoilers, Bardock's time in the series just might not be at an end yet. Meaning we could be seeing the fighter again before too long, which I just explained to you how and why, probably. I swear if they try to do some kind of Dragon Ball shit, like, bringing our dads back from the dead, like the memes, if they're gonna succumb to the memes, oh my god, who cares? Leave them dead. I think it's interesting that Toyotaro was the person who really tried to push for Bardock to come back in this arc and make him a more integral part to the main arc. And uh, I also think it's funny that he's constantly just being like, Toriyama-sensei, what's Bardock like? Is Bardock cool? Was he a nice guy? Would Bardock ever be the kind of guy who just saves a kid for no reason, even though he was just murdering everybody a second ago? Bardock actually a cool guy? I don't know. Hopefully, I just said like 15 different things. I think maybe one of them was half funny, so whichever one you heard was half funny enough to include. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fanboy gonna fanboy. Like, There's a reason he started Dragon Ball AF back in the day. Uh, there's a reason he got so good at drawing Dragon Ball that they brought him on to take over for Toriyama in that capacity. The boy loves Dragon Ball more than probably any of us ever will. Ever. Yeah, that's right. I'm talking to you, listener of this podcast. He loves it more than all of us. And apparently he's got a strong affinity for Bardock, and he was happy to include him. <sighs> cool, man. Cool. Just like, you know, I think it's okay that he wants to include Bardock, but I don't think it's okay that he's continuing to, like, 
retroactively change him into this good guy that he, you know, pretty clearly wasn't. Said it a million times. I'm not going to yell about it this week, but what makes Goku great is that he is the descendant of just some guy amongst the Saiyans who was no better than anyone else, but one day was like, yo, this Frieza guy fucking sucks. And then he died. And that's literally all I needed to know about Goku's dad. And the more you tell me he's a great ass dude, he's so nice, loves his kids, loves his wife, loves going to work, putting in a hard day's work at the murder factory and coming back home to name his kids stupid vegetable shits. Carrot. Like, I don't know, just, just leave it alone would be my opinion, but he's a fan. And he also works on the actual Dragon Ball canon now, so. Who the fuck am I to say what's right and what's wrong? Well, I got a podcast that's to do that. To tell you, Toyo, Toyo Taro, more like Toyo Butthole. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's all right, but, you know, just because you can put something in doesn't always mean you should. And that's my feelings on Bardock. Okay? Now you know. Then he also goes on to name all of the members of the Galactic Patrol. And uh, who the fuck cares? Right? So... If you watch YouTubers who make Dragon Ball content... I don't watch many. I have a handful that I enjoy. One of my favorites is totally not Mark. And he has done, he's a very talented artist and he, I believe started off doing like how to draw type videos, which eventually moved on to like full on analysis of the entire Dragon Ball manga and television series, et cetera, et cetera, movies and you know, whatever. Uh, over 150 of his uh, works on YouTube were flagged and removed for monetization by Toei Animation. And it's caused kind of an uproar. I'm honestly happy to see how many people are pissed about this for Mark. Like, I can't tell you how many subscribers he's got off the top of my head. Maybe in that five, 600,000 range, like a sizable big time channel for sure. But like, I feel like everyone who's, been less than thrilled with YouTube's recent developments. I don't know if developments is the right word, but the fact that they got rid of the visible dislikes, people aren't a fan of that. But they're also not a fan of like this automated copyright strike algorithm that they have working behind the scenes. And when one of those strikes is filed, uh, basically YouTube puts all the trust into the person who is filing it and doesn't give the creator any chance to appeal until after it's been taken down and its visibility has gone down and the monetization has been removed. They just kind of side with the person who's filing the claims. So I don't know what's on about this stuff. Uh, I've had Toei strike stuff that we've put up on our YouTube a handful of times, but, you know, we don't do a ton of stuff on YouTube. I don't have much in the way of video editing skills and the few things that I had an editor do earlier in the year was for Dragon Ball movie reviews that we did. And we worked the system well enough to be able to get around the shit that Mark's currently going through for at least the first couple. 
when we did the third one, it was me and Feds maybe doing I forget which uh the Tian and Chaozu weird fucking I'm an Emperor movie, that one. We had copyright strikes up the wazoo just trying to upload it. Like get it scheduled to upload, like comes back automatically. It's like a, a pre-check before you publish if anyone would be able to claim rights on it. And we edited things like the specific sections three or four times before I was just like, fuck it. Like I'm not gonna upload it then. Um it just wasn't worth it for me. Like I look at those movie reviews as like uh, a good uh good video project to put together for YouTube so that way if people were looking for reviews on an old Dragon Ball movie, they might see ours. There's a decent visual component. Maybe that brings them over to a podcast app to listen to our bullshit over here, right? But after the third or fourth time I've gotten a copyright strike and them saying no, like you can't upload this. I was like, fuck it. Not worth it. I don't care. I'm just not, I'm just not going to do it. Now, that's from my perspective. I make no money doing this shit. I'm just a fucking we ha we have our fan base, but like I'm nobody notable, really. When it comes to somebody like Totally Not Mark, who has made a YouTube career off of basically covering and simping for Dragon Ball and doing a lot of good work in like the publicity uh, department for them. Whether Toei, you know, realizes that or not, I'm sure they must. To take away the dude's livelihood like that. Oh, bad fucking form, man. Dragon Ball's like top 20 IP, most valuable IP in the world. I'm sure it's probably like top three IP in Japan. I guess the problem really does stem from the differentiation between American copyright laws and Japanese copyright laws. Japanese copyright laws are much more stringent in that there is no real fair use provision, meaning like I can't just take a manga panel or a still from the cartoon and talk over it like a lot of YouTubers will do and say that that's fair use because I'm giving analysis of, uh, you know, whatever the comic or the episode. And that's like my reference to it, but I'm not redistributing it in a way where it's like harmful to uh, the overall product in Japan. It's the exact opposite. They, first of all, which I kind of think is a good thing. Um, uh, the owners, like the original authors of manga retain virtually all of the rights, like regardless of all the publishing companies that are involved, Akira Toriyama owns Dragon Ball. So with that, he is given the right, to be able to strike down uh, any kind of redistribution of his content that he's not a fan of. That's sort of like if he if he thinks that it's like bastardized in any way, and obviously a company and the laws can get real um, specific with that kind of language and be like, we mean for it to be absorbed, you know, this way, not through a clip show on YouTube or whatever. There's room in the language for that sort of thing to uh, to be argued in, in Japanese court. So that's it's kind of like a twofold problem. Japan has this really stringent thing where they don't acknowledge fair use and they will strike down things. If the author says, we don't want that, Tobey's like, yeah, that's right. We don't want that either. We want money. So that compounded with YouTube's current system to appeal strikes or, or, or appeal copyright claims like that. It's led to this situation with Mark where 150 of his videos were taken down pretty much overnight, all demonetized, 
he's got a, a team of people that work with him. I don't know what his team size looks like, but I imagine it's at least a few editors, you know, probably a team of four, five, six people. Who knows? Had to lay them all. Not, I don't know if he had to lay them off. All right. I imagine they're in a freelance kind of capacity, but, um, you know, not being able to rely on that steady month over month income from your back catalog of videos to be able to pay your people. Terrible position. I feel for that dude. Um, I, I, I do have to say though, I'm sure if the shoe was on the other foot and somebody else got their shit struck, I'd be like, yeah, bitch. Deserve that. I know that I'm biased here because I really do like totally not Mark, but all of those content creators have gone through this exact thing. Um, it just sucks that Toei seems to be uh, ramping up and abusing the shit out of a system that is already flawed and that system being YouTube's uh, copyright strike claim. So he posted a thing earlier today saying that things are uh, slowly starting to get resolved. Hopefully they will. I just don't really see what the what the harm is in, in Toei allowing these people to continue to do what they do. Like, notoriously, Lucas, back in the day, George Lucas was like, I'm cool with any and all Star Wars films because what you're doing is good for our franchise. You know, like you're making it as a love, uh, a labor of love. You know, it's your, uh, your, it's your showing appreciation to our franchise and you know, he didn't like go after people in court. I imagine it's a much different story with Disney owning them. Now they're uh, famously litigious, but I imagine, or I, I'm kind of surprised that Toei didn't, doesn't have like a similar kind of outlook on it. Like maybe not for all their properties, but a property that's as globalized as Dragon Ball, known in all corners of the world, you know, dubbed into so many different languages. Maybe don't, you know, bite the hand that feeds you. Uh, I did see, and I don't know, I don't check Japanese stock market shit, obviously. If I did, I'd have a goddamn problem. Um, I don't even check American stock market shit. Who gives a shit? Rich people having a good day today? Who cares? Well, the rich people at Toei Animation had a bad day, allegedly, if the screenshot that I saw earlier uh, was true. Uh, just, I guess, public public perception of the situation right now and it's like a davy versus goliath but goliath just fucking pummels davy you know poor mr working his ass off youtuber come up from nothing versus toy animation been in business since like post-world war ii making cartoons and shit not a great look regardless of your country of origin and what those laws happen to say about fair use and copyright stuff and blah 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 so uh hopefully the issue for totally not mark gets resolved and uh, they'll continue to make quality Dragon Ball content because while there are a lot of people who make Dragon Ball content, I would venture to say, myself included, about 95% of us are garbage. Be careful what you ingest, boys. Keep eating trash. You get trashy. And not like the fun kind of trashy in a strip club. It's like trashy like you're picking scratch tickets out the trash. Because you're like, oh, maybe that person threw it away and thought, didn't realize it was a winner. It's that kind of trashy. You looking for some currency in the trash barrel of YouTube. Anyway, that's pretty much all the Dragon Ball stuff, I guess. I didn't play Dragon Ball Breakers when the beta came out last week. 
I saw, I did see a few people be like, Oh my god, I got a beta code! I'm so surprised! <laughs> and then it was like, yeah, you did get a beta code, because you signed up for it. Only people who signed up for it got the beta code. You needed to register at this website. If you registered at this website, that's why you got a beta code. Oh my god, I got a beta code? It must be really cool! <laughs> I fucking hate people so much. Um, oh yeah, TV. Okay, you guys like TV? I'm a fan. What am I watching? Nothing really. Hawkeye. You like Hawkeye? Hawkeye is a cool guy. Cool fucking guy. I don't want to spoil anything for Hawkeye. But I will say, I honestly think so far it's my favorite of all the Marvel series. I probably would have said that belonged to WandaVision up until now. I did enjoy Cap and Winter Soldier. I enjoyed Loki, but this one's hitting a little different. I don't know if it's because I have a crush on uh, Haley Steinfeld or whatever her name is. She's pretty great. Or like just the dynamic between her and Jeremy Renner. Uh, old man Hawkeye. Old man Hawkeye. He's like regular Hawkeye, you know, but he's like the old Hawkeye because there's two Hawkeye. Listen, the fun show. Watch it. It's like uh, Home Alone meets uh, an archery place. Secret spies and shit. Like Die Hard with a bow on it. With an arrow, too. Bow and arrow. So yeah, it's my spoiler-free review. I think uh, this next episode might tie into Spider-Man as well. That's all I'll say. Okay? I watched the first two episodes of It's Always Sunny earlier today. I think there's two more for me to watch, so looking forward to those. Um, pretty good. Seem to be shitting on right-wingers pretty thoroughly, which I think is funny. Lethal Weapon 7 wasn't as good as I'd hoped it would be, but I can't wait for Lethal Weapon 8. Also, I just found out before I hit record, uh, Cowboy Bebop, the live-action series on Netflix. The mixed review, I almost said critically mixed reviewed. That's, that doesn't make any sense. The, the series which received mixed reviews on Netflix has been canceled after one season. And I went and read this article before I hit record and I'm like, oh, I wonder if it states some kind of reason why. Like, is it like they shot it a couple of years ago? Maybe they can't get the cast back together again. Like maybe it'd be too expensive to do. Maybe they decided it wasn't worth it. And uh, this article just goes on to just absolutely shit on the characters of uh, Vicious and Julia. So if you know the anime Cowboy Bebop, Vicious and Julia work as characters because you get them in like small little glimpses and spikes like flashbacks and his memories and stuff. You don't have to deal with them and the weird love triangle like it's a lot more ambiguous it's like left open to uh for you to fill in the details about what kind of awkward shit that would bring two former best friends to turn against each other one leave this crime syndicate and lose his girlfriend to the dude who stayed with the evil crime syndicate and they thought spike was dead like there's a lot of shit they don't tell you on purpose which i i really truly appreciate typically like uh, stuff like that can drive me crazy but the way in which it's done in Cowboy Bebop, they give you just enough to, to satisfy you. You paint in the rest of the details and you move on. Episode, I watched the first two episodes, I believe. And I believe they show, I started to watch the third one and I was like, I'm, I'm out. Uh, I believe it's the end of the second episode. 
Or maybe I watched the first three and I was out at four. Who cares? My point is, they show up toward the end of one of these episodes. And they're just uh, vicious, especially. Like, the actress who plays Julia doesn't seem to have a ton to work with in the first place, from like a dialogue perspective. Uh, she's just there to look hot and make out with the dude who plays Vicious, who is like a sickly looking man. Like, he's got like Gollum vibes, you know, like wiry, thin arms, but like strangely jacked at the same time. But looks like he's always kind of sweaty and he has a really bad white wig on where you're like, dude, what's up with the wig? Is the wig making you sweaty? Is that why you're shirtless? I'd rather you just take off the wig than take off your shirt, man. Because now that you took off your shirt, I can see how sweaty the rest of you is. Vicious, you're creeping me out. And like him just being over the top in love with Julia, like fucking cringy as hell, dude. I stopped. I, I bowed out. I'm good. No, thank you. The rest of this article just proceeds to go on with like basically everything I just said, but way more eloquently and like less sweaty and less fuck words. I kind of want to bring up a, an excerpt of it now. Hold on. So this is from comicbook.com. Uh, in our review of the series, which we noted was an, quote, entertaining, conflicted jam, breaking down some of the weaknesses of the live adaptation. So this is from a review they did. This <laughs> Where Cowboy Bebop truly stumbles is the expansion of the world with the likes of Vicious, Julia, and their place in the syndicate. In the original series, these characters were almost like templates for the life that Spike had left behind, having little to no characterization outside of their archetypes. In the live-action series, they take an opposite approach and attempt to give us more background into Vicious and Julia, but it simply doesn't work. The couple of Vicious and Julia, and they are a couple now, brings the show to a screeching halt when they appear, seemingly ditching the grindhouse appeal and giving us characters that aren't likable in any definition of the word. Vicious and the original series was almost thought of as a soulless edgelord by many, and while the live-action show attempts to place more meat on the bone, it does so in a way that defangs the villain and takes away the inherent threat of the boogeyman. Julia herself is given such a major departure that it will leave many scratching their heads when the smoke settles. And I think I know what that's in reference to. I heard this, uh, this series wraps up in a way with Julia where it's like, yo, what the fuck? Julia? That's all I heard, though. I didn't watch it myself, and I won't spoil it for you. But uh, you probably don't want to watch it. Daniela Pineda just watched like a smash cut of all of her funniest lines. She's really funny. And I genuinely like John Cho as a person and an actor. But uh, he was going to be Spike Spiegel. It should have happened about 15 years ago. Dude who played Jet Black, he was also great. You can close your eyes and listen to him talk and be like, yeah, that's Jet Black. He's like shaping a bonsai. Getting ready to cook some bell peppers and beef. But with no beef. Um, all right. I think that's it. I just talked about Cowboy Bebop way more than I thought I would. Hawkeye's good. Cowboy Bebop sucks and it was canceled. Spider-Man's next week. New Manga Chapter drops on him around the 20th. I believe it's the 20th. So that's a Monday, I think. Woof. Whatever. Me and GB will break it down. Me and Rayshawn did an appearance uh, the other night on the Anime Shenanigans fan club. And that was a little bit of a different one for me in that they were like, hey, there's a bunch of new anime coming out. We want to see what you think about it. And 
I'm like, okay. Okay, guys, yeah, we'll talk about all the new anime. And then I just proceeded to talk about Dragon Ball for like a solid half hour. Snuck in some Ranma one half as well. I showed up and uh, the host, Josh, had on a, uh, a Ranma one half t-shirt. And y'all know that's my jam as well. That shit needs a reboot. They'll probably reboot Inuyasha before they reboot Ranma, but... Ugh. Same author is why I say that, but... um, Man, Ranma... Although Ranma in 2021, we talk about it a little bit there, too, how it might be a little bit trickier to do, because... You know, it's about a boy who turns into a girl when splashed with cold water. And, like, her boobs are out all the time. And there's an old, dirty man who steals and collects underwears. Smells them and stuff, puts them on his head, wears them as a mask. <laughs> oh, apple size a good time. Uh, yeah, so go check that out. The Anime Shenanigans fan club. Me and Rayshawn did that one. I'm going to be on RGAP recording one for, I guess, probably next week. I, I'm not really sure when it'll drop, but it'll be us talking about uh, Chapter 78 a little bit more. And one thing that I actually did not mention in my manga review, manga review last month. Um, what could the repercussion of Gas's wish be? We know what it was for Granola. Took his 150 remaining years, compressed them down to three. We know of that repercussion. Got to be some kind of repercussion for Gas, right? I wonder what it is. So I'm going to be talking about that in the chapter uh, more generally with Rayshon in uh, like an hour here or so. What time is it? About an hour. And uh, yeah, that's it. Make sure you tune in. To those other podcasts, go uh, check out Rayshon, RGAP, R-G-A-P, the Rayshon Gatson Anime Podcast. And I will talk to you guys next week about something, maybe. I don't know what it'll be about. Gotta get back on those movies. But man, those movies take a lot out of me. I'm like, oh, another movie? I gotta pay attention for 55 minutes? That's a lot of, that's a big ask. I don't. I don't know, maybe. You somehow made it to the end of this shit show. This solo shit show. Solo scat event. Make sure you uh, rate and subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. You fucking mook. I don't think mook's an offensive word, is it? Unless it's like to a stupid person or like an ugly looking person. That's probably why I use mook most frequently is for an ugly, like, maybe not like butt-ass ugly, but like somebody who's like a little unfortunate looking, but like at least they can blend in with uh, the outskirts of society. Fucking mook. I feel like mook could mean a lot of different things. You could apply that to a lot of different traits, you know, like somebody with a stupid haircut, oh, you fucking mook. Somebody whose eyes are a little bit too far apart, what is fucking mook? I'm going to be real upset if the word mook actually has some kind of negative racist connotation that I'm unaware of. I say that as a way to uh, give myself permission to continue to use the word mook freely for people who might have uh, a big fat fucking face. Maybe they have a dopey, a permanent dopey look on their face. Super dopey look on their face. Fucking mooks. Anyway, I'll do it. Talk to you guys later. Maybe. I don't know when I'll talk to you again. I'll talk to you. Okay? Okay. Talk to you again. Suit all my mooks. I didn't mean it. I think your face is...
Think your face is lovely. Go out there and kill the day. Junior. Squirt. Now it sounds like I'm being condescending with the nicknames I'm giving you. Go out there and live your life, baby. Live it loud. Live it proud. Stuff it down with some brown. <laughs> I gotta go watch the rest of these sunnies. Goodbye.